0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. <laughs> thank you guys for being a part of today. I'm glad that you're here. My name is Paul, and I'm one of the pastors here. If we haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you guys after the service. Um, be hanging out back there, and so uh, thank you for coming and being part of today. Hey, um, next weekend's it's re- really big. It's, uh, this whole place kind of gets transformed. There's going to be big tents outside, a lot of calories being consumed and all that kind of stuff. that's going to be going on out there out there for services, you know. So, again, I joke, by the for service, I just get on up and say, Jesus rose from the dead, deal with it. And then so you got this guy's guys, I'll, I'll, I'll go. But it, it's a really, it's a cool time, so make sure you invite people. Our, our theme for Easter is imperfect. We're going to be talking about how, boy, we kind of come in broken, imperfect. In fact, oftentimes the way we see ourselves is what? Imperfect. We look within ourselves and we just say, oh, man, there's nothing. And we look at the faults and the flaws, and that causes all kinds of stress. And how God can take an imperfect life and make it just right. Just right. We want to talk about that. And so invite your friends and say, you know, you're pretty imperfect. You need to come to church with me on that one. <laughs> see see how, they, how they come on this one. Now, um, next weekend. Um, um, be friendly people um, there will be neighbors and friends people that you say wait a second I know this person um, shake their hand introduce yourself to them um, welcome them just make this a nice warm welcoming place so kind of go out of your, maybe your own comfort zone um, on that one we will have the loft upstairs um, open for the services and so you may want to make room for down here but whatever works for you also parking you know parking is an issue right now we're not quite sure if we're going to have this these spots open or not hopefully we we will um make a deal that, that we'll see about that one but if you come regularly part of mariners if you don't mind parking off-site for that service that would be great because people that are coming in there are coming in for the first time or don't come here often will want to be, be able to park in the parking spot here and so Give, give, give our good spaces to them if you can, if you don't mind doing that. So that would be terrific, and look forward to all of that. Let's take a second and pray one more time, can we? God, thank you for these moments and this time now, and I pray that you'd um, bless it and um, help my words in Jesus' name. Hey, how many of you guys like parades? Any of you like parades? Any of you love, love parades? Yeah, yeah. Any, how many of you have been in a parade? Any of you have been that one? So, yeah, yeah. They're not good for introverts, by the way, but anyway, if you're in, in, in yeah. and, 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 and And we love parades. I mean, you know, there are the big ones, you know, Rose Parade, big, big parade, the Macy's Parade is big. The longest parade I've ever been to was the Half Moon Bay Fourth of July Parade. (laughs) I am not kidding you. I think it lasted three and a half hours, um, the whole deal. But anyway, it's a great parade. It's a great small town parade. You come there and it's a lot of fun, and, and, and when we go in parades, parades, there's, there's floats and bands, and there's people you know, waving and horses and all this kind of stuff. Have you ever seen somebody in a, in a parade? They're driving by in a really nice car. You know. They're sitting there kind of on the, on the, on the back, and they're waving, and, and, and you say, who's that guy? You know, Who's that guy? And you wave. What do you do? You wave back. You have no idea who they are. You wave back. And so Lisa would nudge me. and say, well, why are you waving? It's like, well, they're, wa- they're waving. They're waving to me, um, so I'm going to wave back. Now, today is Palm Sunday. And, and most people have an idea of what Palm Sunday is all about. It's about a what? It's about a parade, okay? There's a parade that's going on, and it is when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, and the people, they, they lined the streets, you know, they were all packed around, you know, the streets, and, you know, trying to, trying to look and see who's coming, and they spread out their cloaks on the ground, which is a sign of honor, and they waved palm branches, you know, when he came, and and put them down on the ground, and they're yelling out, you know, Hosanna, 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 you know. Get this in your mind's eye, because I'm going to read what the Bible says about this. It says, they brought the donkey and the colt, they placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and and asked, who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to you know, keep it down. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And in some churches, right right now, you know, what kids are doing is they're cutting out little you know, palm leaves out of green construction paper, and, and they're going to be waving them, you know, kind of to just act out this whole scene. And the imagery is great, isn't it? I mean, it's great imagery. You know, you see it? You kind of get it in your, in your head of, of all this going on. And, and kind of the whole momentum and the feeling is really good as, as well. You know, people get it. You know, Jesus is finally a big deal. And I, and I, and I love this part. It says this. So the Pharisees... These would be the religious leaders. The Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. If I were one of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus, I I would go to another and say, you know what? Awesome. You know, and big high five. Because what we've been doing for the past three years as disciples is we've been wanting to get more and more followers of Jesus. You know, it started out with just a handful and now it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And what we wanna do is we wanna spread the message or who Jesus is around to everybody. You know, that's what we wanna do. And all of a sudden you have these crowds all around, you know, and we'd say, Well man, he did it. Look at the people. Look at the crowds. I mean we, we we did it, you know. And we do the big guy, what, you know, chest bump, you know, we do that kind of a thing and they'd be thinking we're all cool. Remember those ads um, where right after the Super Bowl, I don't know if they still do them anymore, right after the Super Bowl, they'd always ask the winning quarterback a question. You know, they'd interview him as they're coming out, and they'd always play it again and again and again. And they would say, you know, Tom Brady, you just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do next? And he would always say, what? I'm going to Disneyland, you know. I'm going to Disneyland, you know. And it's like, this is like, Jesus, you're in a parade. You just got 95% approval rating. What are you going to do next? Bible says this. Jesus began to weep. The word incongruous means um out of place, inconsistent, not balanced, one side from the other, inconsistent. And and what's going on here is incongruous to me. It doesn't make sense. It it, it doesn't balance out. You know, here here you have. You know, Jesus in popularity here, you know, with people going crazy and screaming and shouting, and then all of a sudden you have Jesus weeping. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I mean it's his party. He can cry if he wants to. You know, he can do that. If he'd like to do that. it's fine. But, but it doesn't make sense. Why? When he has the height of popularity, you know, the polls are as high as they're ever going to get. Why is he crying? See, sometimes we leave that part out because we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to deal with it. Jesus being this great figure, but he's not that happy about it. Why was Jesus weeping? Is because they missed the whole point. Missed the whole point. Well, what, what did they want? I mean, what did they want? What did the people really want? It's in the word Hosanna. It says they shouted Hosanna in the highest, and and Hosanna is an untranslated word, and that word means save us or save us now. Save us now. Save us now. And that's a great word, save, you know, Um, but the word save can have all kinds of different meanings, doesn't it, (laughs) depending upon what you're talking about. For instance, you know, I I come home with something from REI, and Lisa says, well, how much did that cost? And I can say what? I Saved, you know, I saved. Or, or you can get a coupon and save 50 cents off a can of Febreze, you know. You saved. Or, you know, if you brush and floss your teeth, you what? You save your teeth, you know, that's the way it goes. Tax software can save you on, on your taxes. Medicine can save you from a migraine. It all depends on, on how you want to use that word save. You can want someone to save you from a boring sermon. It all depends, okay? It all depends on what you want saving from. And what they wanted Jesus to save them from and what Jesus wanted to save them from were two entirely different things. And this is why we have the incongruity between their cheers and Jesus' response. Again, what they wanted Jesus to save them from and what Jesus wanted to save them from were two entirely different things. They wanted Jesus to come into the city and Hosanna them from Rome and from the government and from the king and from all the taxes. That's what they wanted. They were under Roman rule, and they hated it. They just hated it. And they wanted someone to come in and and kick the rear ends of all those Romans and get them out of town because we want to rule ourselves, and we're tired of these taxes, and we just simply want to be our own people again. That's what we want. We want Jesus to save us from this. What Jesus wanted to save them from was from that, themselves, their sin, their sin tendencies, the thing that was separating them from God, and there's a big difference. They wanted someone to save their country, and Jesus wanted to save them for eternity. It's the fine art of missing the point. (laughs) They missed the whole point, the whole deal, and I have to say that really, Whoever you want Jesus to be to you is who Jesus is going to become to you. And if you want Jesus to become this, well, he'll become this, but you may be sadly disappointed in the end. You get to choose the way. You can choose the way you see Jesus, and choosing the way you see Jesus makes all the difference in your life. Now, I don't want to get, you know, woo, existential on this, but it's really, really true. If you want Jesus to be a normal guy, he then becomes what? A normal guy. You have that choice. So what Jesus did next is very very telling. I remember as I mentioned people didn't want Rome around. They wanted they wanted Jesus to go in and kick out the Romans. I mean, that's what they wanted. And, and, and now they've got the numbers. I mean, we've got the numbers here. Finally, we have a guy who's a leader who's able to be able to take it and kind of rally us around. And we can now march in and do something that no one else has been able to do. The religious leaders can't do it. You know, the other people, we don't have a military. So we've got Jesus. We've got crowds here. And so I said, okay, Jesus, here would be the plan. I got this preacher coming into Jerusalem. I want you to go down Main Street, and I want you to go straight to Pal- Pilate's Place. And every time I say Pilate's Place, Pilate's Place, I think it sounds like a bar to me. Pilot's Place, but anyway, I want you to go down, go Go down Main Street, because Pilot's Place is is right there, and I want you to take a right, and once you get to the end of Main Street, take a right, and you'll see, it. you can't miss it, go in there, and we're right there with you, you know, we got the people, we got the numbers, and maybe he'll freak out and, and scatter and get out of town, and that's great, so go for it, Jesus, Hosanna, you know, just go to Main Street, take a right, can't miss it, right behind you, we're there, we can do it. So Jesus goes into town, you know, gets off the donkey, and he starts walking, and he walks down Main Street, but he doesn't make a right. He makes a left. Jesus, uh, well, wait a second, you know. It's not hard. Directions are pretty simple here. Down Main, you know, turn right. But Jesus doesn't turn right. He turns left. And, and um, the Bible says this. Then Jesus entered the temple began to drive out the people selling animal sacrifices. begins to start telling us what Jesus really came to do. He didn't come to set up a kingdom on this earth, an earthly kingdom. He came to help people get their lives right with God. That's the point of this. And it's like, well, oh, wait a second, Jesus. We want you for this, but you're coming for that. Um, what's going on Gotta remember, this is Palm Sunday. And and um, Palm Sunday, he has 95% approval rating. The whole crowd is after him, is with him, for him. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, what happens to Jesus? He's crucified. And all of a sudden, all those people that were saying, Hosanna, save us, are yelling and screaming, what? Crucifying crucify him. See what happened is is he didn't fulfill what they wanted. And if Jesus isn't going to do for me what I want him to do for me, I don't think I need to have a whole lot to do with him now. How come? Because they saw him this way. And that's the way that's all they wanted. And this bothered people. It bothers people still, by the way. It bothers people Still. And people feel really safe boxing Jesus in. You know, they want to box Jesus in. Jesus, I want you to be this way, you know. I want you to be a a teacher, an example. I want you to be an orator, a guru, you know, a legend. But don't become anything more than that. In fact, it's very telling when people say, well, I like to think of Jesus as. I like to think of Jesus as. And then they'll they'll try and categorize and put him into their own kind of view Of who he is. And I just want to say that's crazy. That would be like you saying, I like to see Paul as I am who I am, you know. That's who I am. And you either take me for who I really am, but don't make things up. Cool thing, and we all love this part, and I love it. He ticked off the religious leaders. I mean, something fierce, and I like that about him. And in fact, most people do. Some of the Pharisees, these would be the religious leaders, the religious brass, you know. They they said, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples, meaning, Jesus, they're they're kind of going a little too far out here on on who they're proclaiming you to be and what they're wanting you to do. you got to kind of tell them to, to, you know, back it off at a couple notches here. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. love that part. You know, you'll, you'll love that part. And we just kind of get the feeling is everything is so electric. There's so electricity charged, you know, around all around that, that the atmosphere is so potent that if people don't praise him, then the rocks are going to do it. You know, someone's going to just so zzz. that's the kind of thing that we feel. And that's cool, and we love that. Yeah, there's something that's going on a whole lot deeper here, a whole lot deeper. Now, if Jesus really is God's promised one, and we and, and we We talk here about how the Old Testament just points to this, you know, this person, Jesus. The whole Old Testament points to it. And the New Testament points back to it, you know, This, this person. And if the whole Old Testament is going to be pointing to it, then there will be kind of signs and symbols and prophecies that are looking at him, you know, little glimpses, little snippets of Jesus coming. And there are. There are, and way, way back. Like 560-some years before this happened, there was a guy named Daniel, and this would be in the Bible, Daniel in the Bible, and he's Daniel in the lion's den, you know, Daniel, that guy, you know, if, if you remember that story. And anyway, he was praying, and Daniel's not just simply a, a guy that lived and survived in a lion's den, but um, close to God, and, and God began to reveal things to him about historical events, And and it's pretty cool when you read it. You know, those historical events all kind of work themselves out through kings and kingdoms and all that. But he was praying to God, and God revealed something to him. Hold on on this one, okay? Now listen and understand. This is kind of the vision he's getting, he's hearing. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until the ruler of the anointed one comes. And you're thinking, huh? You know, what? 7 times 69 times 67, 62? How does that all work itself out here? And I know it gets thick, but understand what it's saying is the last part of the verse is going to become a decree or an edict or a command to rebuild Jerusalem. Jerusalem at Daniel's time was all torn apart. And he says as soon as that decree or that command is given, the clock is going to start ticking. A clock is going to start clicking. Tick, 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 tick. And what it's going to mean is, you know, these seven times seven and all that are weeks of years. And there's going to be seven sets of seven and 62 sets of seven. And you add up all those weeks of years and all that based on the Jerusalem calendar. And they've done the numbers here. If you work through all that kind of stuff, it turns out to be 483 years or 173,880 days. Now, they've been able to calculate when the decree was given with reasonable certainty to rebuild Jerusalem. Starting from that day, the calendar started to to work itself out. 173,880 days lands about 32 or 33 A.D. It lands about the Passover time, and it lands about on a Sunday, the day Jesus entered Jerusalem. And so there's that old spiritual, if I don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out. Not because the atmosphere was electrically charged. It's because the prophecy said, the anointed one will appear and be proclaimed at this point in time. See why he said it? These people are quiet. It has to happen because God's word said it's going to happen. God's word never failed. Now what's cool, just as cool. The next verse in Daniel says this. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one, he will be killed, appearing to have accomplished what? Nothing. Five days later, on Good Friday, Jesus was killed. And in the people's mind, who wanted him to come in and be king and and all this, his death accomplished what? but it says appearing to have accomplished nothing because his death accomplished what? Everything. Everything. And yeah, the people had hoped he'd bring back the Israel dynasty and it appeared to have accomplished nothing, but he accomplished everything. Now again, there's something I I, I really believe that a person's ability to touch your life in a specific area is not just based on who they are, but who you allow them to be to you. Okay? Does that make sense? Who you allow them to be to you. So, so, so someone's ability to have impact in my life—not based on, on on who they are—it's who I'm mean going to allow them to be. You know what I'm mean going to allow them to do in, in, in my life. So the guy handing out samples at Costco—you know—they stand at the end caps, they hand out samples. You ever do that? You know, you ever do that? Of course you do. You know, you there. You walk around, you you get the those things, and and then I'll walk by, and the guy say, "Nah, that's really good. You really have to try this," and I want to say. No, I don't. I really don't have to try this. Why not? Because you're the guy handing out samples at Costco. I really don't have to try this. Let's suppose I come home, and Lisa's made something very, very special for me, and she said, it's really good. I made this for you. You have to try this. Well, the whole thing changes, doesn't it? Not based on it. It could be making exactly the same thing. It's not based on the product based on who I allow them to be to me. Can you follow that? In other words, how Jesus impacts my life depends on me. And how Jesus affects your life depends entirely on you. How you choose to see him changes your life. Or not, you see, As Jesus approached Jerusalem, it says, and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day, would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. Meaning, they didn't want to see. And since they didn't want to see, they what? Couldn't see. They wanted a kingdom who would restore the kingdom of Israel and Jesus restores the kingdom of God to our hearts. They wanted the wrong kind of king. In this instance, they wanted a political influencer. Or sometimes we say, oh, he was just a good teacher. He was a historical figure, a famous person, founder of religion. I'm pretty sure not that's not how it works. I'm pretty sure. Because the Bible does not allow that to be Jesus. It just doesn't. So how do you take Jesus for who he's... Supposed to be. How do you do that? Two words, and you've heard these words before, but apply them to you, would you? First of all, the first word is Savior. Let Jesus get rid of the sin in your life. Savior. I mean, that's what it came to be. Savior. He said, My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Well, how does that happen? He would say, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There it is. That's how life happens in all its fullness. He lays down his life for us. And then it says, There's no judgment awaiting those. Who trust him. None. No judgment waiting for those who trust him. There's a great verse. I didn't put it up there. Um, my life group, we were going through the book of Romans chapter 8. And if you don't have a Bible, go get it and look at Romans chapter 8. It's really cool. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The best, one of the best verses. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. None. Okay, none. Because the only one in this whole universe that can condemn me, the only one, is Jesus. There's none. God, Jesus, the only one that can condemn me. And Jesus died for me. So why would he condemn me? He already took the punishment, and the penalty for my sins. He, he, he did it. There's no judgment awaiting those who trust him. And trust means trust. That's what I'm counting on, not being good because I'm not good enough. Not being perfect because I'm not. I need help with that kind of stuff. This is the way for the weekend, and um, so I was, um, you know, it's it's guy house, you know, at that point in time, it's just me. But you know, I think it's guy house anyway, you know. So, so I I had I had some music turned up a little loud, you know, and and uh, I was I was uh, I was drinking some iced tea. And, and, I, and, I, and I picked it up to go get a refill, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm walking, and, and I, I did something that I should never have done. I danced my way to the kitchen, okay? <laughs> I am the worst dancer uh, you know, in history, but I was kind of doing, trying to do a little jive, you know, a little jive as I was walking. And all of a sudden, I heard a, a crash of glass, just pshh, glass crashed. And now I'm standing there, and I'm looking, and I still got my iced tea in my hand, and I'm thinking, and I'm looking down, there's just glass everywhere, and I'm thinking, oh, this is weird. You know, this is really weird. And I said, what what is it that that, that fell, you know? Well, it's because when I picked up the iced tea, there's a glass coaster underneath it, and it... (laughs) you know, suck to it, that kind of thing. So I'm doing my little, you know, my little musically thing, and it just crashed down. Now I'm standing there, you know, barefoot in my boxers, you know, like a guy, because it's guys weekend, okay? And so there's glass all over the place, you know? And when you're barefoot, what do you do, you know? And I'm thinking, not only am I stupid, you know, not only should I not been dancing, you know, but I I need help, you see, you know? And I can't cry to anybody, and so what I had to do was obviously elevate and try and jump to a counter, you know, and climb and crawl uh, all around. And and the point of this is, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'm imperfect. I've broken lots of things in my life, and I've broken life. And I can't do this myself. And when you look at that on a big point, it's more about not about coasters and glasses. It's about sin that's there. I need a savior. I have no hesitation saying that. I need a Savior. And Jesus died on the cross. He was punished for me. And I can be okay with God. Second, I need the Lord. That's the next word. Let Jesus have final say in my life. And I I guess it's asking at each junction. And we have to ask this. At each point in my life, Jesus, are you Lord in my life right now? Lord means in charge. You know, the one in, in charge of this whole deal. And there are sometimes big junctions in life should we move? Should I take this career? Should I take this career path? This job? You know, should I do this? Should I? Should I take this major? Should I end this relationship? Should I start this relationship? You know, make this choice. Big ones, big junctions. We take at each point. We have to ask, and you're called to ask, and you're invited to ask. Is Jesus, Lord, right now in charge of this decision? Is He in charge of this decision or not? And then there's the small junctions. And small junctions obviously lead to big consequences, but this temptation, this sin, you know, this attitude, this anger, this unforgiveness, at that point in time, you can forgive or not as Jesus Lord of that junction in your life. You see what I mean by Lord? He's in charge of this decision. He's in charge of my life at this point in time. Um, do you know how many people I've seen have their lives get better because of this stuff? I mean, they get better why it's because Jesus being Lord of this decision that decision that decision goes right and right things work well how many marriages relationships are strengthened it's because people learn to forgive and serve and love because that's the way it's supposed to be people just get better they just become better um, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up right now there's a parade for Jesus you know a parade question B, I guess, is who is he to you, you know? And who are you going to let him to be? Who are you going to let him be to you? Because honestly, how how I choose to view Jesus changes absolutely everything, absolutely everything. And my hope for you is maybe your eyes were opened and just to say, wow, I always thought he was this, but he's this. And I'm so glad he's this, by the way. I'm going to invite you to pray with me and just bow your head if you would for a moment. moment, this moment in time. Maybe a time when you really feel um, something inside you that's, maybe it's just saying, seek this, check this thing out, check it out. You owe it your best shot, you do. With an open mind, open heart, and humility. Because we're dealing with God's stuff here. So let down your guard to God. It's not a bad thing. And maybe your commitment this morning is I'm going to check it out. Honestly, sincerely, truthfully, check it out. Or maybe for some of you it's saying, I have never accepted Jesus as Savior, my Savior, the one who saves me from the mess I'm making and the sins I've done. And you can be forgiven with no condemnation before God based on something that Jesus came to do, what he wanted to do and who he wants to be in your life and that savior and maybe you're saying jesus best as i understand best i know how forgive me for my sins cleanse me from my unrighteousness maybe it's lord maybe you're making decisions and you're you know they're not what god would want let him be lord of that decision. Lord, of each moment of your life, Lord, I pray that for me for today. Every moment. Thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for coming and being part of today. I'm, I'm glad you're here. If you have any questions about faith, we hang out here, so we'd love to talk to you after the service. If you need someone to pray for you, um, we have a great team that prays in that room. and And if you go back there, they'll just connect with you and say how can we pray it's a good thing and then are great people here hope you come back next week make sure you invite folks to come don't be like that guy okay don't be like that don't be that guy so we're going to stand we're going to finish with a final song God bless you guys love you have an incredible week thank you